says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to the final instalment for the Tip Sheet Podcast in 2022. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me to close a chapter on the wild ride that has been this year is my good mate, 60s. And as we look back for one final time at the year that was for the Blue and Gold, as well as what lies ahead for the Parramatta Eels, we figured there was one man who could give us the best perspective on everything pertaining to the club. So please enjoy our final podcast for the year 2022, and we'll see you in 2023. We're on location today for a special Christmas issue of the podcast and we probably couldn't have had anyone better than our special guest for a look at Paris season just gone, as well as what's happening now and in the new year in paradise. It sounds like it's going to be like the ghost of Christmas past, present and future, (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) We're pleased to have Eels General Manager of Football, Mark O'Neill, with us. Merry Christmas, Mark, and thanks for joining the tip sheet. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. We've got a week and a bit to go, so... uh I uh, hope everyone has a happy, healthy, safe and enjoyable Chrissy. Fantastic, mate. We're recording this in the Kellyville football offices, but this complex is going to look very different in the not-too-distant future. How exciting is it to be on the verge of such a major development? Oh, It's very exciting. We've got lots of green space here at Kellyville. There's lots of ovals. Uh, we've got a large um, uh, district to, to serve, if you like, That's if I could use that term, because that's where representative of that whole district and uh, to come here and have a centre of excellence uh, built when it is finalised will be, I think it'll be the best, uh, the best one in rugby league. Yep. The 2022 season was a wild ride for supporters, some of the highest highs and some of the, you know, to be frank, some lows in there too, but internally for you in the club, how was it for everyone inside? It wasn't too dissimilar to the description you gave there. There is, in every season, there's some highs and there's some lows and, you know, you aim to have more highs and lows. And I think that we we did that throughout the year. There's two things that you can focus on, uh, which is one is results, which is inevitable that our fans um, and people uh, outside of, I guess, the, the, the football program uh, look at, and it's important, but also... The second part is the performance, and sometimes you can put in great performances and not get the result on the day, and uh, you know that's important to myself. It's important to Brad. The way that we aim up in a blue and gold jersey, the way that we present each and every week, uh, and get our performances right is important. And I think we did that more often than not, and um, and we just didn't quite get the end result on the day uh, in both grades um, on grand final day. Yeah, it was a. I think in retrospect, it was also a pretty tough run that we had in that, um, you know, there was probably like some tough matches in that run up to the grand final, the, especially that the game against the Cowboys up in North Queensland. Any any trip up there, you've generally got a little bit of a, you know, dealing with some physical issues. So I guess still um, you don't get too many chances of being in a grand final. So we're going to be... I imagine we're going to be doing everything we can to um, look to at least replicate being in the finals, the top four push again this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we'd like to try and achieve some sustained success and to give yourself the best opportunity. We look at a continuum between top four and premiership, but there was a game that you mentioned there about the Cowboys up in Townsville. 
after 55 minutes being down 18-10, um, we found a way to win. And it was a new way to win for us. Yeah. And I couldn't be more proud of the resilience, the character that uh, our players like displayed on that day. Incredibly proud. What a great victory it was. And it gave them a lot of confidence. You know, so it was a new way for us to win. We always knew that um, you know, that game was never beyond us. There was no point during that game. And, but the way that they just sort of closed out was incredibly tough and showed a lot of character. Yeah, it, perhaps that game singularly encapsulated the transformation of the team across the last few years because it was a similar junction or crossroad in a finals game against South Sydney where Mitchell Moses missed the penalty goal Correct, yeah. and ended up being the, the one that broke the back for the team because Souths marched downfield off the ricochet and scored. In this game, Mitch misses, but we go back and convert it into six points in the following possessions. So it was just incredible to see the team lift in such testing conditions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we weren't without adversity that day against Souths in that, that final, as you mentioned, but uh, it, just, it just went to show that we needed to go... We have improved. There's no yes. doubt about it. We're sure we, we fell short ultimately, uh, you know, on the grand final day and we were beaten by... Well coached, well prepared, and a and a well performed well, Panthers side. They, arguably one of the best grand final performances I've ever seen from. from yeah, the and many have said that, and they deserve the victory. It doesn't make it any easier from our part because, no, no. but still, we have definitely improved and developed as a group, and that's and as a club. Mm-hmm. Now let's rip the band off, band aid off, mate. Uh, it hasn't been ideal to be negotiating the contracts for both Moses and Brown at the same time. Are you happy with our processes and is there anything that you can share with Eel supporters right now? Well, what I can share is that uh, Mitch and Dylan are priorities of ours. Absolutely. You know, they've had wonderful season. They're wonderful men. Um, they've contributed enormously to the club uh, over the years. Mitch being a little uh, older, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. probably more so than Dylan, but Dylan's, you know, younger and got he'll be playing uh, footy, you know, when Mitch is... Uh, finish and that might be for a long, long time yet. In any case, but terrific people adding so much value to our club. We've got a great forward pack. They're led well uh, by those two. Yeah, that their priority priorities of ours and uh, and and so they should be. Will Penasini is another one coming off contract. One of my personal favourites at the end of the following season, twenty twenty three. How are negotiations going there for the young centre? Yeah, well, I mean we. You don't really like to dive into specific sort of negotiations publicly or anything like that. But, yeah, Will's local kid, I mean, he's done remarkably well. Played in the World Cup now. Experienced football at that level overseas. His development uh, is, you know, he's tracking, trending upwards really well. Brad and the staff are happy with him. And, he, and you know what? And he's just a great guy. Great guy to have around, you know. So... Yeah, we're uh, progressing through those with the manager, which has been respectful and professional and uh, as they always are. Well, mate, there seems to be no uh, no doubt that we can, we're continuing with our philosophy that we don't talk about negotiations. We, you know, that's all um, left to, you know, the yourself or whoever's conducting the negotiations with the player agent. But I guess we can't stop anything that comes out from elsewhere. Um, uh, all, I guess all we can do is just uh, make sure that we're as professional as we can within our organisation. Is that a fair sort yeah, of comment? It is. I guess that's a standard that we have to meet. You've got to front the mirror and uh, and say, hey, have we done uh, everything right? And it's not to be uh, deceitful or hide the information. It's just the the player, you know, doesn't hasn't given 
players, they haven't given permission to say, hey, listen, let's talk about this publicly. They'd like to, we've got a process that we'd like to go through, and part of that is with the agent, and uh, that's how sport is these days, and they've all been professional, uh, and you know we intend to keep that you know status quo the same. Well, last year we did, uh, well, this last season just gone was the, the final uh, season for a number of players in the ideal world. We probably would have loved to have retained uh, certain individuals that left at the end of 2022. But is there a world in which that type of turnover is actually a good thing? I guess it's a reality of uh, professional sport. It's Every club has a constraint, i.e. the salary cap. We're not the only sport in the world that does that. Um, it is What it does do is it, it, it does provide opportunity for other players. You have to unearth some talent. Uh, you have to debut some players. And look, you know, we, we have lost some talent in 22. Absolutely. You know, and are they good people? Yeah, absolutely. Have they contributed to the club's success? Without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, I'd like to think that we've played a part in making them better men and better players as well for the experience. And we're grateful for their time uh, at the club and wish them well in the future. But with that said, it's... I think we've got a, a strong track record of of developing players at all types of level, be it the top, if I could use Regan Campbell-Gillard, for example. Regan deserves his test jersey. He's worked incredibly hard and played uh, some really, really uh, high level of football consistently over a few years. Um, and Brad saw the best in him, was able to get it out of him as well too. So you think of the at that level, you think of some of the, the debutantes we've had in the past 18 months or so, some of the young kids coming through. Uh, Will Penasini is one of your favourites, as you mentioned. Like, there's a good case in point too. But there's even others that have become uh, from first grade level to really good first graders. And, and you know, we've got, a, we've got a lot of talent underneath as well that's just chomping at the bit to, to get their opportunity too. So it's, it's a bit of a reality of sport and, um, and we're confident. Uh, Brad, myself and others, that we've got uh, a lot of talent just waiting to emerge as well. Well, you know what, I, I guess if you didn't have a certain amount of turnover, that young talent that you're talking about coming through, that it would never get its chance to, to you know, show if there wasn't opportunities available through uh, departures at some stage. Yeah, indeed, and that can be. That's just, I guess, a part and parcel of the professional nature of the sport. Now, would you like to keep everyone? Yeah, you would. That, uh, but you can only have thirty spots on your roster, and you've got a salary cap to uh, to uh, work with. And people need opportunity. Capable people need opportunity to show their skills. And um, and we're looking forward with great anticipation for some of our young talent to get that opportunity. Not only necessarily in the next um, six months, but six to 12 to 18 months and beyond. Some of them just need time to develop. doesn't mean they're uh, any less of a player. They're good players. We all need time. They all develop differently. And, um, and it's exciting where that will come in over the, you know, the coming years. Speaking of those 30 spots, it feels like the NRL sort of shifts that deadline or deadlines around the top 30 on a year-to-year basis, all the different cutoffs in January, March, mid-season and whatnot. But how are the Eels tracking on their top 30, Mark, uh, heading into season 2023? How close are we to finalising, or do we finalise the top 30 at a certain deadline, or do you keep it open? Oh, you know, we, it, 
various times we adopt different strategies. We've got a couple of spots open now in our remaining in our top 30. Uh, one of the challenges in completing that at the moment is where the salary cap will end up in the CBA, what, um, you know, what, what, uh, what the goalposts will look like in that sort of space. So we do have a couple of spots but, um, uh, to fill, but that's a good thing too because it will allow some opportunity. There's a bit of uncertainty uh, floating around out there for some players, not only um, at our club but other clubs as well uh, in terms of where they will be or, or what you can afford to pay players because the makeup of the cap for next year and beyond is unknown at this stage. So, or yet to be agreed upon. And so. that was something we hadn't touched on yet, but how's it been as a, one of the chief operators for the club operating in the, un, the great unknown that is the 2022-23 off-season with all the stuff that's sort of being juggled in the air right now? Yeah, it's challenging, but uh, I guess to counter that, it's not unique to us You know, at the Eels. All clubs are, are dealing with it, so I guess you just need to improvise, adapt and, and overcome as, as best as you possibly can. So, And, uh, you know, I feel we're doing that okay at the minute. So we've talked about top 30. Let's talk about the uh, suggestions that the cliché premiership window has now closed for the Eels, Mark. Uh, I don't want to put you up like a politician and say, what do you say to these allegations? But for the Eels... <laughs> Obviously, yeah. short and long-term success is both, you know, the sort of the balanced goals there. What do you say to the idea that we're closing our premiership window? No, there's, there's no way. There's no way that that's uh, closing for mine. If you think of our, uh, our forward pack, we've got Junior, we've got Reggie, we've got Sean Lane, who's just had his career best form. Mm-hmm. We've got Ryan Madison. You know, there's four big units that... Uh, three of whom have been representative football. You think of our... And one that's probably unlucky that he didn't go on the... make the kangaroo tour at the end of the year. Yeah, indeed. You know, so we've got that. We've got some talented halves. We've got, you know, our skipper at the back. You know, there's there's so much talent throughout our uh, throughout our roster. I don't believe it's closing. And, I, and the other thing too is what gives me confidence in saying that is I just mentioned about you know, Brad and the coaching staff's ability to develop a player. We do have some talent here that's emerging. We do have some players that's coming through. We know that, you know, Mitch and Dylan, as I mentioned, is a priority for us as well. And we're excited about the prospects of what, uh, where Will Penasini's career will take him in that as well. So I feel like we've got a pretty strong nucleus there that'll keep, you know, us strong for many, many years to come. So I, I don't I don't agree with that theory about the premiership window closing. And part of that, at least short-term plan, and also the sort of the mid- to long-term plan, is the recruitment we've had for the 2023 season and beyond. Uh, looking at those immediate prospects, six new faces at the club, have you had any feedback from the coaches about how the new recruits are settling in? I'll, I'll let Craig ask you explicitly about Josh Hodgson, but for the five other men, any feedback so far? Yeah, they're all, um, they're all going well. They're all learning and, and trying to adapt to how our style is at Parramatta and Brad's style of the coaching, what we, uh, the standards that we have for a club and, 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 and everyone's buying in and enjoying that. It's important that we are, are all aligned in how we train and, and why we do things and, and give the players an education of that. So they've, they've come in with a great attitude and they're wonderful people. Uh, you know, that's part of the... Part of the um, I guess the 
selection, if you like. You, you're in the conversation if you're talented and you'll certainly remain in there if you're of sound character. So they've connected really well and, uh, and fit in nicely so far. Well, I've been watching the pre-season and Josh Hodgson's made a, a really big impression very early on. Um, and I'm, it's to the extent that I'm prepared to say that a, an injury-free Josh Hodgson is a bit of a game-changer for us, especially with regard to his uh, leadership. Is he as impressive around the club as he is on the training track? Probably more, to be fair. Probably more. Because he's... As an individual, like playing talent, you know, like his career, what his his history and everything speaks for itself. His uh, leadership and experience and talent is, will prove invaluable for us here. Thing about Hojo is, he can really articulate very very clearly the technical aspects of the game. Right, so a lot of people know the technical aspects, right, and can deliver them. And Hojo knows them and he can deliver them as well. But he can also communicate and verbalise in a manner that I've heard very few people do in the past. And the way that he can do that sort of suggests that he's going to have a fair career or should he choose in coaching whenever that day comes. And that day's not yet. He's, he's hungry and he's passionate and he's, he's going to add enormous value. And regarding the injury front, well, he, he's due for a bit of good luck, isn't he? You know, like yeah. He's been through uh, some um, you know, serious injuries there. He's come out the other side. He's incredibly tough, incredibly resilient, but the leadership and the way that he, um, you know, interacts with us as a club, the front office, the footy department, the way he is with the kids, he does a lot of things that people don't see, you know, and and that's it's not for me to share, you know, with with some of the his discretionary efforts over and above, but he cares about the people, he cares about the kids, and he's prepared to give his time to anyone that um, that is seeking it. So he's probably more impressive as a person away um, from the field. And that's a big statement because he's extremely talented and capable on the field. Well, we're going to stick with the positives because we think there's plenty of positives around the club. Um, So moving on now to the NRL coaching staff. And we've got some new staff there. And in my opinion, they've already changed things up during this pre-season from uh, my observations. Um, what qualities do you see um, Barrett, Antonelli and Kalis bringing to the Eels? I think they they all bring a unique sort of skill set around that there. So if I start with not in any particular order, but, but Kalo, he's a Parramatta man. He identifies as an Eel and what he's done for the club is enormous. Now Kalo doesn't want to be remembered for what he's done for the club as a player. He's determined to, to put his stake in the ground from the coaching perspective he was here before, he's left and he's worked under some incredibly talented coaches, premiership winning coaches, and he's developed his game. And when I was sitting with him, having a, a chat and a meeting with him before he come back on board, we sat there for about an hour, 90 minutes. I could have sat there for about three or four hours just to listen to what he's learnt, how he's applied those learnings, uh, how he's developed as an individual in terms of with respect to his coaching. We know he's... he's quality human sound character and everything like that but he will he will bring a lot to our club and he obviously understands a lot about the New Zealand Maldi boys and the Pacifica players as well which we have a large um, uh, you know index of players of that um, cultural background which is wonderful and uh, so he's going to add enormous value around that uh, even his defensive prowess will be fantastic and uh, 
getting these guys ready for the NRL competition. Steve Antonelli as well has been... Uh, he's had a bit of experience at a few other clubs as well. He's got a no-nonsense approach to his uh, defensive structure and the standards that he's driving and is expecting, um, communicates well. Um, he's a very likeable character, but he, he's committed and driven, um, most importantly. Trent Barrett is fantastic. Like Baz, uh, you know, I guess similar to Kalo, has got incredible credentials from a playing perspective and, and what they've done. He's had he worked in successful programs. He's been a head coach uh, a couple of times himself as well. And the thing about uh, Trent is he understands about playing off the back foot and how important that is. And um, and I guess when I when I say that, I th- I think of like as a as a half as Baz was. You know he could he could control a game, and when things are going well, he could dominate a game. But when sometimes in those occasions where you're on the back foot and the, the momentum's going against you. He was one of the, the best of his time to be able to generate something. Andrew Johns was, was enormous in that space, but to be able to generate something off the back foot it'd be, uh, is important to do, and it's a skill that, that not many have. So I think he, he'll add a lot of value to our team around that, uh, around our spine, um, how they can do things. We've mentioned about Hodjo in particular as well, like one of his strong aspects of his game is he can generate ruck speed from dummy half mm. the way he gets out the way he commits and do it again and again and again so you think about uh, that in the context of where I mentioned playing off the back foot uh, how are we going to do that to get us on the front foot and give ourselves every opportunity to shine because when we get it all together as everyone knows it's pretty exciting just on what you said about and, and I'm, I'm going to throw this to you from your own playing experience here as well when you talk about a player that's good at playing off the back foot and when things aren't going well, what's the key ingredient for someone like that? Is it composure? Is it self-confidence? Is it, you know, is it, is it something that's hard to teach? What, what, would you, what would you say? It probably is a little hard to teach, in fairness, but it, it's all those things. It's staying calm, like we did it against the Cowboys. Um, it's talking teammates, making sure that you have the confidence and the preparedness to roll the sleeves up and know how and when to inject yourself into the game and and in what part, what's going to get the best outcome. So uh, you you have to have an element of courage there, not only physical courage to take them on, but courage to be able to change things up and know which levers to pull at the right time. So it's probably all those things that you mentioned there in a combination and having the the awareness uh, of when to when to you know, chime in and which levers to pull at the right time. So and I imagine for someone like Trent Barrett, having, having him there gives that... Op- like, I imagine he'd help it to identify which players have that within them coming through, you know, to see is, is, this, a, is this a player that's, a, you know, a genuine halfback, a, you know, a genuine playmaker who, who's got that capacity to lead as well, you know, when we're talking about the young players coming through, he'd be invaluable in that sort of talent identification and, and development to that extent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's known for, for if I use, I use Trent, Trent Barrett, for example, when Baz was at his best, he'd had players around him that needed to be good too and he wasn't short on telling the players what he needed from them because yeah. if Baz was at his best, the team was successful. So he would always you know, make sure that the players around him knew their role and what they had to do and 
and and that's the beauty of it is you know like having that sort of leadership you know and you, you you see you see it in Mitch you, know, you see it in, it's emerging in Dylan as well he knows how you, you know like he, he he likes to play he knows when we needed to you know what we need to do to play and he's got that confidence and tells the directs the players around him how to get there so he'll complement that um, but also that's good for our broader back rowers or edge players or whatnot or middles wherever combined with the you know like our spine players that um, they'll get a good good lesson or good learning good opportunity to learn from Baz of what they have to do to make sure you know the six the seven the nine uh, and one you know like a, a shining. So just continuing on with this uh, little Barrett theme that I'm going on here. Yeah, he's dominated a bit, hasn't he, Baz? <laughs> so this next question's a bit of a chicken-in-the-egg type uh, scenario. Did the club look to fill a coaching role that was there and decide that Trent Barrett was the best candidate? Or did you identify that Trent Barrett would be a good, uh, valuable addition to the club and thereby create a role that would suit him? Well, it's a good question. When we when we have a look at our roster and have a look at the coaching staff, we have a conversation, obviously, with Brad, the, his staff, the head coach, and part of the conversation was along the lines of, you know, Brad, two things. You know, what do you need to bring the best out in you? Because it's he's pretty much at the top of his, his game at the minute. And what's going to bring, probably more importantly, what's going to bring the best out in the players? Because that's why if we bring the best out in Brad, we bring the best out in the players and uh, the staff play a big role in that as well. So we look at the structure. What structure do we need first? What is going to be the best? Then we look at the people, and then we look at the process. And that's, you know, the people is obviously determined from... We have a look at the structure. The people is going to bring the best out. Brad's all over and how the process will work. And, and I think there's a strong alignment, as I've sort of alluded to at the earlier on in the start, that... You know, the, when we're talking about those players, what it takes to, to train and play as a Parramatta man. And uh, we've got a really good alignment, a really good understanding of, of those attributes that we look for and, uh, and, and the, you know, to, to therefore add value and play the game model that our coach wants to play. So it was a structure, it was a people, and then it was a process. And, and I think it's fair to say, and again, it's early days, but... They seem to gel quite well as a coaching team, from what I've seen. So, um, you know, that must please you in the in the uh, uh, you know like to start off with right now with how how it's uh, kicked off. Yeah, indeed, the the connection is important because um, we that's the culture we want at the club. We want to be connected around that, and I think you have to the, the connectivity talks to the discretionary efforts that that you will give for one another. And yep. that could be the difference sometimes in a game, winning or losing. And you think of, take your mind back to the Cowboys game, the prelim. Think of the connectivity of the guys there. You think of some of the defensive efforts that Gutho would come up with. Think of some of the, the you know, the, the control that, that Mitch showed at the final time. You think of Junior and Reg, the way they led from up front. Laney, the, the list is, is sort of on. So that connectivity is important for the on field performance and to harness that and foster that it's important that the connectivity is there the off field because the coaches are the ones that that drive that you know and you look at them now we've had many touch points we've all come together for for various things we want them to feel like it's their home and they own part of it because it is it is their home and once you step foot in here and after you 
you know, you you go through your onboarding and understand a bit about the club and our history and our people and our players and all that. Now it's yours to make it even better. And uh, and they've got a sense of ownership over that. There's a sense of pride that comes with it. It's uh, it's really good at this stage. And, I, and, and to be fair, just to sort of, you know, level that a bit, I reckon most GMs of clubs will be sitting here saying that at this time of year saying exactly <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one's yeah. lost a game. Yeah. We're all on equal points, but and we all think we've got the right sort of methodology and approach to it. But there's a you know there's it certainly feels feels good right now. Well, I, I only mentioned that because obviously I'm here watching a bit of training, and it just seemed to me that there was a um, there was a good cohesion. And you know, like a, a yeah, really good, good flow good out there. The way they that they they work together out there, and, and and you know, Brad deserves a lot of credit for that. It is a very very well planned uh, football program that um, that that he's running at the moment, and and that's been the commentary from the new coaches that have come in as well. They've they've complimented him on that, and uh, it's been something that's impressed them. So it's good. These things give us confidence that we will be strong. Um, moving forward and, and to squash those claims about the premiership window. We want to be competitive each and every year. Of course, the umbrella of the Eels stretches beyond the NRL, so let's talk about pathway staffing. There's been some significant changes there, headed by the additions of Nathan Brown, Jamie Shepherd, and the uh, new junior rugby league general manager, Adam Fairley. Can you talk us through each of those appointments, Mark? Yeah, sure. I'll start with Adam Fairley for the junior league general manager. Adam's had a come across from Blacktown Soccer Association where they've had 20-odd affiliate clubs to deal with and obviously a governing body. He's had um, a history and background in harness racing. He's a strategic thinker. He's got really good um, operational skill set as well So, and a good knowledge of, of dealing with that uh, stakeholder group in terms of the, the clubs, uh, uh, governments, Grants, he's he's had a bit of um, history around marketing and and uh, of various junior leagues and some wonderful initiatives that he's got in place here. So it'll be he will add enormous value, I believe, to our our junior league, which will be for the benefit of all our participants. It's about enjoyment and opportunity, and and I say that because the if there's no opportunity, you can't start playing footy. <coughs> Excuse me. And if it's not enjoyable, well, you won't continue playing footy. So we believe that um, with the right support around Adam will be a wonderful acquisition in that space. Um, if I move up to Nathan, uh, if I move up to James Shepherd, uh, Shep has come on board. He's got extensive experience in rugby league. He's coached, uh, be it his own teams. He's worked in pathways and he's been assistant coaches in NRL programs. Enormous experience. He's played as well, so he knows what the challenges. And Shep was actually possibly the best junior of his era that come through as a halfback from Holy Cross Ride. Extremely talented. Um, so he he gets it. It's relatable to him. Uh, so he'll be looking after the entire pathway program, which will include our academies, development programs, uh, to our junior rep teams. Um, his role will be to ensure the functionality. Is optimal in all those, <coughs> excuse me, all those streams that make up the pathways. Nathan Brown, uh, similarly, we're we're blessed to have him on board. Nathan's been a head coach here 
and in Super League for almost 20 years, I guess. He's got over 250 games of NRL experience, head coach. There's not too many clubs that can, I guess, proudly uh, say that they've got uh, that level of coach, right, with those credentials, running their junior rep program. So his role will be to uh, build the capability into our our coaches, which in turn will influence the players, uh, make sure our... Our EELS philosophy is vertically integrated throughout our, our programs and um, basically have a, a greater focus on coaching towards our players in that um, pathway program because the ultimate aim is to see how many players we can get from our pathways to our NRL squad. So they, they're two key uh, investments and resources that I believe that will take our program from what's been pretty good but acknowledging there is some upside there and scope for improvement and they could take it to a very, very good uh, program over the coming years. Now, a bit of a long one here for you, but the Eels are a development club and that's been a, a big emphasis for you in your role as a general manager. Uh, Paramount District, obviously, a huge catchment of players, but this year we've got the likes of Joshua Lynn, Kyan Murphy and the towering LeBron Tawala join the Eels from Queensland alongside uh, a number of players from regional New South Wales. Need influx of external talent bolstering our development stocks. Six is myself obviously looking forward to following each of their stories in the blue and gold. But for you, Mark, how do you quantify striking the balance between the nurturement of the Parramatta district as big and as powerful as it is and recruiting from other important external catchments like Queensland, country New South Wales and New Zealand? Yeah, it's a good question because you could limit yourself uh, one way or the other if you, if you said, look, I'm just wholly going to go as uh, recruitment or I'm wholly and solely going to focus on the development. I mean, you could fill your roster of 30 with all 30 Parramatta local kids, if you like, but you may not be competitive. And in an ideal world, hopefully you would be competitive, and that's the that's a solution, and you can win a few premierships and uh, enrich the lives of the community. But uh, factually speaking, the development club philosophy talks about, I guess, making better people and better players. Um, it's identifying and and prioritising our our, uh, our own, uh, but it's not without having any times of recruitment. But if we recruit, it's for sort of two reasons in the pathway sort of level. It's a positional need where there's gaps um, or an exceptional talent which could be NRL worthy. And if you think you could have some gun halves coming through, but you just might not have the front row or the go-forward power to give those halves the best opportunity. So you're going to have to recruit and get them in to see where that, for the development of the halves and, and for the betterment of the team as well. And uh, so that's what we look to do. But irrespective of whether you're a homegrown talent or if you've come from Queensland like the few you've mentioned, you'll be treated like one of our own no matter what. And the development club is about um, people as much as it is around players as well. And when I say people, I mean not only becoming better people, but I mean staff, I mean the support staff, the coaches, the the S&C guys, the assistants, the trainers. So that's where that development you know, club mantra um, sort of comes from and I guess there's a little bit of an insight into what, we, what we're trying to do there in that space. Now, the old Parramatta House at North Mead, that was always part of that development side of things within the club, uh, but that was sold. But I believe there's a, a new... Parramatta House around the Kellyville area where the club looks after the young players that are living away from home. 
given some of the success stories that emerged over the years from the old house, how important was it to re-establish that sort of support structure? I think it was pretty important because we like to uh, provide uh, people and young men um, with the opportunity to be the to show their skills, be the best they can be. But the ones that have had to leave their own natural environment can be a challenge, and how they adapt, um, you know, can depend on the quality of people that they they live with. So, to have Shah and Milo. Uh, be our house parents right now. They both sort of work in our program. Shah's one of the assistant coaches of the Tasha Gale team and does a bit with our NRLW as well. They play a wonderful role. And, it, and it, as has all our parents, you know, in the recent past, or ever, but in the recent past, we've had the Lombardis, we have the Orsinis, we have had the Uptons. They've all played a role and we're so grateful for that because they help shape these uh, boys into men, really. And uh, we've had some wonderful people come through there and and it is good to see, you know, that house, uh, well, Shah and Milo in particular, come back um, uh, and, you know, we've got four or five, four or five, uh, you know, young men staying at their house. So it's a bit of a challenge and they're, they're loving it and so are, the, <laughs> so are the men, so are the young boys. So that's, uh, that's good. Well, dating all the way back to Kevin Wise. Kevin Wise, he loved his man. time. He, what a great man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're fortunate we actually sit in front of Kevin in the uh, in uh, at Bankwest, uh, Combank Stadium. Yeah, so we're catching up every so, other game. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a wealth of knowledge oh, and yeah. we're, we're not too ashamed or embarrassed to tap into it at all levels for Kev, whether it's Ed Wellbeam, whether it's Pathways, whether it's Junior League, whether it's House Baron. He's... You learn something every time you sit and have a chat with him, and it's great to to see him round as 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 often as we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, exciting times coming for both the NRL and the NRLW because expansion has come to both sides of the game's premier code or premier competition. Sorry, let's start with the NRLW, where there are four, not not one, but four new franchises joining the fray, which are going to impact the roster of every club. Can you update us on any news as far as Parramatta's 2023 squad is concerned? Well, I'd love to give you a detailed update, but unfortunately I can't. We've got one player signed, which is Tiana Penatani, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful um, ambassador for our club and player for the game. At uh, The contracting window hasn't opened up yet from the NRL, so therefore the only ones that players are signed are the, are the ones that signed a How, marquee contract. I suppose... In that light, how far off are we from the NRLW falling into the same or similar windows to the NRL when it comes to the management side or managerial side of things? Yeah, I think it's a. I think the NRLW game's just floating a little bit around. If I use this analogy, a bit in no man's land, sort of they've gone from uh, what has been well, it wasn't professional, and then sort of semi-professional, and now it's sort of expanded in the growth, which is great. And as you know here, guys, we we. Uh, proud to say that we have an NRLW team. It is of strategic importance to us and hence the resources that we've recently committed to it and we're committed to the growth of our game. Our district has got strong clubs, strong female participation, strong academies and growth around that. But it, until you get uh, such time as it runs in parallel with the men's season and, and every team has an NRLW team, which I think is a, a little bit off, but I... I, I know that that's what the game's sort of striving towards, but at the moment it's uh, 
it's difficult and we just need to appreciate that we're on the journey and uh, we will get there, but it may just take some time. Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously when you can't contract players for multi-year deals, it, it makes it a challenge every year until that's until that scenario changes, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, and which competitions, you know, like we're, we're incredibly proud of our, our women that come through our Tasha Gale mm-hmm. and they... They, Ruby was one um, that got to play NRLW, which that was great. She's our first homegrown local talent that's gone up to NRLW. But equally, there was some other Tasha Gale players that formed in the development list of that squad. There's some of the girls in Tasha Gale this year that played. They're a year young that have been uh, signed in that. So the, the talent pipeline looks good. We need to be able to make sure we can provide that opportunity beyond Tasha Gale and before... NRLW, so they remain connected and identifying as an eel. Does that mean a team in the Harvey, Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership for the Parramatta Eels? Oh, possibly, potentially. We need to do a, a piece of work around that because we, we, we've got a large district and we've got a lot of clubs that have either had uh, Harvey Norman women's team or are looking to get the Harvey Norman's women's team. And how uh, our standalone eels team in that space, uh, how that would impact those clubs, we need to just find out and just see, hey, what is what is the benefit? Uh, what's the feasibility like to... Uh, and what will the impacts be if that was the case? And Because we're, we're, in, we're, we're proud of the, our district. We're proud of that we do have strong numbers, other, unlike many other districts, but we want to make sure that we, we provide an opportunity like uh, and enable players at every uh, club within our district to come through and play for Parramatta. So it's really... I mean, you're, you're talking about you're talking about relationships there, aren't you, with our own um, junior rugby league clubs there? Because we, I mean, we call them junior rugby league clubs, even though they have senior teams that are out there and yeah. competing in competitions. And and uh, and I suppose if if you enter a team, uh, you're cannibalising your own, uh, you know, district. In you know, in terms of playing strength of uh, the teams that that uh, are being submitted by those clubs. Yeah, agree. You know, I think that um, if there was a Parramatta Harvey Norman team there, uh, would players then see that they'd have to play for Parramatta in the Harvey Norman to get to NRLW? And if that's going to you know, be to the detriment of our important other stakeholders, you know, we just need to understand what impacts there would be and uh, how well... Or not, you know that would be supported, and because uh, at the end of the day, the the overall objective, and and it's for all the clubs, the feeder clubs, in order, is to provide that opportunity and pathway to the top. Yeah. That's what we want to do. We want to get as many of our girls, talented girls, playing for the Eels as possible, in the same manner as what we do want to do for the men. Now we've sort of preempted the question I was going to ask next around that female space because. I believe Parramatta's added more staff to the female pathways. And you've touched on this. Can we expect to see more Parramatta pathways players in that senior NRLW squad as early as 2023? Yeah, that's that's the aim. Like we've 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 invested in these girls not only financially, but I mean, you know, from resource perspective, I've mentioned earlier from our board down it's been a strategic priority two key appointments we've we've made has been one in Kate Parkinson 
as the NRLW operations and development. So she will be looking after everything operationally from that NRLW space and having a full-time resource on board will be fantastic. She'll connect with the NRL. She'll be our, our you know, conduit between all the departments and the NRLW girls. She's very well respected. She was our uh, team manager this year well, for the first two seasons in any event. She comes from a career at NRL. She's been there for many, many years. Some of her key achievements have been she played a significant role in the um, Australian schoolgirls, which was up off the ground this year for the first time, which our very own Talara Bamblett uh, was a representative of. And, um, and so she'll do a wonderful thing there. And also Kate Mullally, who's not only uh, Eels NRLW assistant coach, but she is the uh, New South Wales Women's Origins assistant coach and a Gillaroo's assistant coach, which she's just returned from a successful World Cup in the UK. So she'll be coaching in development as well, which will have an oversight over um, Tasha Gale, Lisa Fiola, all our academy sort of programs around that. And uh, she's already started and commenced and got her feet under the desk now for the last few weeks. And between those two... Uh, women, I think they're credible uh, appointments and have put us in a you know, great position, not only in the short term to your question, but the longer term as well to keep that talent pipeline going through and our players get that coaching and, uh, yeah, and the high-performance sort of experience, um, touch points to thrive in a NRLW competition when their opportunity comes. The second prong of expansion questions brings us back to the NRL, where the arrival of the Dolphins makes it a 17 competition in the NRL, somewhat of a new era for the men's competition. Outside of yet another competitor for the NRL Premiership and player signings, who the, uh, the Dolphins have certainly challenged the Eels on a few occasions there, are there any surprising challenges that come with the addition of a new team to the NRL or the fact that it's now an odd amount of teams in the competition? Yeah, well, I guess the... The immediate impacts are around pre-season and trials. There's, 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 there's someone's going to miss out. There's an odd number of games. I'll see the NRL have um, addressed that in some way by bringing out the um, the winner of the English Super League to play the World Club Challenge, if you like, as part of that, or the, what was known as the World Club Challenge previously. There's more buyers in the competition now, so travel, um, but nothing too unusual. It's you know we. We'll still focus, I guess, like most clubs, on our own preparation and what we need to do around that, make sure our, our training loads and uh, are managed accordingly. So, uh, yeah, nothing nothing too unusual, I would suggest. And sort of tying things back to the start of the podcast where we were talking about the 2022 season and how the boys in the NRL travelled, self-scouting, uh, self sorry, not scouting, self-scouting is a big part of professional sports. As good as Parramatta was in season 2022, where can we improve moving forwards? Well, I think our um, first things to acknowledge is that we, we did have a pretty good 2022 season, you know. That's that's fair and I'm incredibly proud, like many of us at the club, of how the players uh, performed. I guess one area you could look at would be defensively. Um, if you think of Penrith for the Premiers, they were conceding less than 14 points per match and uh, I think that's a... That's and the way they defended too. They, you know, with intent, with line speed, with aggression, 
uh, etc. So and for eighty minutes, yeah, for eighty <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Those yeah, uh, forklift true. tackles are just killers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. The, that's that we we talk so much about those forklift tackles. That yeah, they seem to have mastered within the um, within the red zone there when uh, teams trying to come out, dial up yeah. the intensity. Yeah. Mm. I think getting comfortable in being uncomfortable, you know, yeah. because mm. now teams. Um, the more success you have, and and Big noting, yeah, noting that we, in the back. we didn't win the, you know, win the premiership, but we we didn't have the ultimate success. But they come after you more, mm-hmm. so being uncomfortable, whether it's um, defensively defending your line or under pressure, those moments, I think I think that's probably the the biggest area I reckon that we do. So again, we're going to keep looking forward. What? And or who are you excited about um, for our club for next year? Well, I'm decided. Uh, I'm excited about like defensively as a team. I love I love my defence, and I'm I'm loving watching you know some of the training that Steve Antonelli, Kalis, Brad have, have been doing with the boys. There, the attitude of the boys is really good too. Um, I'm excited about the continued development of our our younger players, um, the maturity of our. Senior players is always, uh, you know, always pleasing to watch. Um, I guess there's going to be competition for spots, and um, that's always exciting. That's always exciting. There's that, you know, like internal healthy rivalry. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just they're just a great bunch of blokes to be around our players and staff. It's 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 really good, and and uh, that's what excites me. Getting everyone back together post Christmas, and let's get back into playing footy again, and. Uh, and get on with the show. <clears throat> well, we're near it, nearly at the end of our, our chat, Mark. And um, aside from, uh, you know, whether you want to share any any uh, Christmas requests that you've made for gifts <laughs> from uh, <laughs> your, your staff or from your family, um, do you have any final Christmas messages for Eels fans that are, are listening right now? The, the, the main thing I want to say is a, is a big thank you. Thank you for the support. It's a it's a massive club. The reach is enormous. Um, we try each and every day to be the best we can to uh, to uh, inspire uh, you know our community uh, both on and off the field. I think, and on behalf of our playing group, coaching staff, we would like to say a big thank you around that, and just a, a reassurance that you know we're we're working hard. We're 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 training smart. We're really excited about the year that's that's coming up and we'll leave no stone unturned in our preparation. We will leave nothing in the tank with all our uh, energy and effort next year and we just can't wait looking forward to, to round one and beyond for, for 2023. Well, Mark, thank you for joining the tip sheet and thank you for a very long-form discussion across all things Parramatta. Been an absolute blast, mate, and we wish you a merry, merry Christmas. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and wishing you both and families a merry, merry Christmas as well, and all the listeners as well too. Uh, like I mentioned at the start, a happy, healthy, and safe and merry Christmas. But appreciate all the support that you guys give the club too from the, the Cumberland Throw. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks mate. mate. So there you have it, our final podcast for the year. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, I'd like to thank each and every single one of our listeners sincerely for stopping by and listening to both myself and Sixties prattle on multiple times a week in the tip sheet. It means the world to us and the growth that TCT has enjoyed in the last 12 months couldn't have happened without you. 
on that note, I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's, Happy Holidays, all that stuff, all that jazz. And on behalf of 60s, myself and everyone at TCT, we'll catch you guys in 2023.